Now people want to associate those things with what they do. Now they want to travel with it. Now they want to, you know, take a puff before they walk into the restaurant. So when it comes down to cannabis, it is an experience for some people. What I really, really try to accomplish with all the brands that I work with is defining, highlighting, or creating the moments that matter between your product and your patients. And then, you know, the other thing about it is, is like, how lucky are we? Like when you look at alcohol, you could never call that a medicine. (laughs) You could never like say like, oh yeah, that's my, that's my medicine. So how lucky are we to, to have a plant that we, that is so versatile that we can utilize it recreationally, utilize it to enhance our experiences and also get us out the door (laughs) for some cases. You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Taravi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating, and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Taravi. Ooh, 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 we are back with another new episode. Hello, 2021. Hello, listener. I really appreciate you. Uh, my name is Shada Tarabi, and I am the host of this podcast. If it's your first time, I hope I don't scare you away. In fact, I hope this is so valuable for you that you come back for more and more. And if you are coming back for more, thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Y'all know I put a lot of labor into these conversations. I just want to kind of re-remind you what the point of this show is all about. It's to have transparent conversations at the intersection of cannabis and marketing. I'm a marketer by trade. That's my passion. That's my background. And obviously, I love cannabis. I actually own a CBD brand based in Austin, Texas, my hometown. And I really just love the high-level cannabis conversation that is able to be had through this podcast, really touching on everything from dispensaries to brands to media platforms and sites and everything in between that really helps make up this industry. But with the formalities out of the way, welcome to today's episode. I'm really excited because I am a born and raised Texan. And and basically what that means is you have an instant rivalry with the state of Oklahoma. So, you know, there's, there's that. But also aside from, you know, sports, which I don't really pay attention to, I got to say Oklahoma is up to some really dope shit, which is why I'm really excited to have Miranda Cummings, today's guest on the podcast. She comes from Colorado. She's done some work for Westward, which is a Colorado, specifically cannabis kind of publication. Uh, She's done some cannabis consumption events with some brands in Denver. And then she recently moved to Oklahoma to really get embedded in the Oklahoma cannabis scene. And and I don't want to kind of, you know, what's the saying, you know, spill the beans too soon. I don't really know a lot about Oklahoma cannabis, but what I do know, what I can share is that they're doing a lot of things right when it comes to medical marijuana. And so I've been really fascinated, especially again, as a Texan, our medical marijuana program is lacking. And so I think it's, it's been really interesting to look to Oklahoma to see what they're doing, how they're doing and kind of, you know, how we can maybe collaborate and get involved and, and just learn from each other. And so I got connected to Miranda through one of my previous guests, Whitney Adrian of Sunny Days on Instagram. So 
thank you, Whitney, for the connection to Miranda. And Miranda just is such a beam. She is just so knowledgeable. She's so friendly. We've just been riffing on Instagram. And I honestly haven't talked to her face to face before. So this is going to be a really great conversation, I think, for everybody listening, just because from what I've observed, she really knows her shit. And I'm really excited to pick her brain because I want to know everything that's going on in Oklahoma. I want to talk about cannabis consumption events. And and I hope you guys will listen to the whole episode and learn some stuff. And if you liked what you heard, maybe you'll share it. Maybe you'll DM us. Maybe you'll start a conversation. That's really the goal is just to inspire more dialogue. So really appreciate you tuning in. Let's kick it and welcome Miranda to the show. Hey, everyone. My name is Miranda Cummings. I have my own experiential marketing consulting agency uh, called Macy Marketing. And um, I've been a cannabis consumer since uh, I was 18. Um, Very typical story to everybody else's, right? Like (laughs) my first experience wasn't my favorite, but I knew it was something I liked. I definitely have uh, anxiety disorders. So um, being able to utilize that, even though I'm a very extroverted and social person, um, it's something that definitely helps me to be more that way. So recognize that I was able to use cannabis for medical reasons, um, other certain like psoriasis, even like, I feel like cannabis assists me with, uh, surprisingly exercise induced asthma and like just circulation and, you know, definitely, uh, CBD is certainly a proponent in that as well. So I was entertained by the idea of cannabis for a long time medically, but then you know, getting my degree in public relations and marketing communications, always being the one that wanted to do prom and student council events. And that's always been like very much uh, those that know me can easily say that that's kind of my jam <laughs> is doing events. So um, finding the the things that I like to do and and then being able to make a career out of that, that just seemed like a very like simple choice for me. And that, you know, kind of started with, I also used to really like partying. There's certainly still a side of me that likes going out and being social um, from a, a liquor and an alcohol and bar, you know, setting. But I found myself being at those events and wishing that I was high. <laughs> and, um, me too. <laughs> uh, and I feel like as I got older, that's, that's what I wanted more and more. So I think, you know, I was attracted to the idea of social settings, attracted to the idea of events. You know, I worked for Westward Newspaper in Denver and um, love Westward Newspaper, love how they instantly, you know, like as soon as they could, they came out to in support of cannabis businesses. And I think it took a long time for publications to kind of hop on board, especially ones that were national publication entities and I think that uh, Scott, the CEO of of Westward and Voice Media Group, um, instantly recognized that, you know, not only did these cannabis businesses need their support, needed a platform to market themselves and advertise themselves, but um, it would be really smart for him to to align his businesses, his publications with the, the development of cannabis. And so when I started working for Westward, I originally wanted to work there because I wanted to, to work in their events. They do this really cool music festival. They do this, these four awesome events every year. And I had like started going to those events and I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted to work with those really cool liquor brands. But then as I, the more I became involved um, at Westward and the more accounts I got, 
the more I started to see all these cannabis brands. And I'm like, well, personally and medically, I'm interested in cannabis. And now I could apply what I went to school for to these cannabis business owners that, you know, maybe are super passionate about the plant, but aren't totally sure what to do when it comes to their brand development, their identity, their storytelling, like, and most importantly, like, I wanted to give people something else to say other than like, my weed's the best and everybody should smoke it. Like, that's not cutting it anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I, uh, I saw that opportunities through my, my time and, and, uh, development of, of, you know, honing in my skill set to cannabis or cannabis brands and decided to start Macy Marketing, uh, actually two years ago. Uh, yesterday I realized, uh, is when I filed the LLC and then, Soon after that, I became kind of full-blown cannabis, cannabis adjacent. Like anybody that was working towards strengthening the industrialization of the, the cannabis community and, and, and also just like really wanting to provide more access to clean medicine for people. I truly do think that you can have the, the best of both worlds. You can have clean branding and a clean product. And I wanted to, to provide my expertise to the people that were trying to accomplish both. I am just like so in awe of you because everything you're saying is like the same heartbeat that I have just for like my passions in life. I actually have a background in experiential marketing as well. I love branding. I spent six years of my career in tech marketing, traveling the world, really doing experiential marketing for for my WordPress company. And so I come from the branding platform tech side of it, but that's definitely my sweet spot. And I resonate with what you're saying of just, you know, wanting to kind of see that, that vision that people currently see when it comes to whether you're going to a festival or you're going to, you know, a pop-up event, there's always this incorporation of alcohol. And there's obviously a lot of money that these brands are spending to incorporate their business into these events but why not cannabis? And so, especially as things start to transition, like you were saying, I mean, so many States went medical this year, so many States went, you know, from medical to rec this year, that it's just opening up more and more for that, that destigmatization. And I think really getting into the experience of it is, is the fun part because kind of like you're saying, you know, yeah, everybody's got good weed. Everybody's got a high percent THC. Everybody's got, you know, this or that, but it's, what's that experience? What does that brand make you feel? Something that comes just kind of the top of my head. I love to plug this brand. I, if anybody's listening from Dosis, I want Dosis on my podcast because I'm obsessed with their branding. I love oh what gosh, they've done. It's going to happen. I'm sure it's going to happen. happen. We're going to be in 2021. Thank you, girl. That is exactly what we're manifesting. <laughs> but but their brand that I've observed through the little things that they've done, you know, obviously their product is a very particularly styled product. But if you're, you know, if you're not familiar with Dosis, I encourage everybody to go Google them really quick. They're just very clean, kind of like you're saying, they're medical, but they're also very effective. And then they've built these beautiful, clean, hip dispensaries that are very experiential. And it's just, it's elevating the cannabis conversation into the mainstream, which is, I know, a little bit of a touchy subject for people because it's like, totally. oh, this is just supposed to be craft cannabis. Like, why is this being turned into this huge event opportunity? But but that's where the market's going and cannabis should have a seat at that table. And I honestly, like I'm starting to meet more and more people that are like not drinking alcohol at all anymore that are going dry and they maybe dabble in psilocybin every now and then maybe allegedly, um, (laughs) maybe, uh, you know, they are, you know, taking 
uh, pre-dosed hits of cannabis and like regulating, you know, their opportunity to enjoy certain experiences, like going to a music concert, going out to eat for dinner, like things that we normally would associate with alcohol, um, being able to, we were just talking about making it easier to, to take cannabis on the go with like 1906 and, and how easy it is for them to, to be a completely like, you know, <clears throat> versatile product and, um, having bait pens and having puff codes that you can fit in the cup holder of your car. Like, you know, just making cannabis more accessible, edibles, all of those things. Like now people want to associate those things with what they do. Now they want to travel with it. Now they want to, you know, take a puff before they walk into the restaurant. So when it comes down to cannabis, it is an experience for some people. What I really, really try to accomplish with all the brands that I work with is defining, highlighting, or creating the moments that matter between your product and your patients. And then, you know, the other thing about it is, is like, how lucky are we? Like when you look at alcohol, you could never call that a medicine. (laughs) You could never like say like, oh yeah, that's my, that's my medicine. So how lucky are we to, to have a plant that we, that is so versatile that we can utilize it recreationally, utilize it to enhance our experiences and also get us out the door (laughs) for some cases. I love that. And I think you're right. And I think that's kind of the the beauty of the plant, but also, unfortunately, I think it's part of the stigma, right? It's like, is this medicine? Well, if it's medicine, why would you put it in maybe an event experience? And so I'd love to get your thoughts on just like, what does that actually look like? Again, I mean, I I know event marketing and experiential marketing, but for the listeners, kind of paint that picture. If, if you're a brand and Obviously, you mentioned you work in Colorado. I don't think you mentioned yet, but I know this information about you. You're presently in Oklahoma, which is medicinal only. Kind of walk me through some of those those details, right? If you're a medicinal only state versus a recreation state versus a consumption on site. I know that there's a lot of rules around that. I know going to California and going to their legal market, I've been able to go to certain dispensaries where I can consume on the property. I have heard if you get a license for your dispensary and then that dispensary license could potentially transfer to a pop-up event that you're going to, but that obviously varies state to state. So what does that actually look like to do experiential marketing in cannabis? Right. And, you know, it's ever evolving and there's also a lot of gray area. I mean, when you look at the compliance side of cannabis, there's a lot of gray area and then you're wanting to follow the rules, but you aren't really clear what the rules are. So part of you wants to do this, like ask for forgiveness instead of permission. And then part of you wants to make sure that you don't end up like, a in jail for white collar crime <laughs> or B paying so much money in fines because you didn't know that you were, you were kind of uh, stretching this gray area. So I think, you know, the most important thing as somebody that has participated in cannabis events in multiple states and as somebody that has coordinated uh, cannabis events in multiple states, you definitely, definitely, definitely want to educate yourself on as, you know, much as you can understand, um, what those certain, uh, kind of legislative guidelines are for each state. So for example, in Colorado, because it is rec, we were able to provide cannabis, you know, consumption friendly events as long as it was a private party. Um, and as long as nothing was being sold 
on site and um, therefore it became more of a gift opportunity. Um, so, you know, I actually worked at Invisible City, which was kind of an underground venue that was a like a synagogue turned uh, event space. Um, super, super cool. Sounds space. really cool. Very, very, very fortunate to be able to cultivate anything out of that that space. And it was so sacred to so many people. But we actually worked with the Denver Fire Department. We worked with the city of Denver. We worked with the um, middle school across the streets, um, you know, to just make sure that as long as we were communicating to our neighbors, being kind to our neighbors, um, being respectful of the city, um, letting people know like what we were doing, communicating with them, like that there is going to be this event. Um, and then, you know, maybe not giving them everything, but definitely making them feel knowledgeable. And, and most importantly, that if they did have questions or if they did want to, you know, kind of change certain things so that it was of compliance, that they had our contact information to be able to do so, so that it was more of a conversation instead of, you know, the police showing up, which that happens sometimes too. So um, I think, I think that, you know, communication is key, trying to figure out who the facilitators are in your communities uh, being, uh, very knowledgeable of what each state guideline is and, and trying to, to respect that as much as possible. But then also this industry is all about taking risks. And <laughs> I've certainly had my fair share of doing that and just learning lessons along the way. And obviously making sure you can, uh, have access to legal advice when you feel it's necessary to do so. Yeah, I think that that's probably the the best advice that you could share, right? It's like, and that's what I really hope this podcast comes across for anybody listening. It's not that anything that you and I say is like the explicit truth. Or the right answer, like the one answer. (laughs) Exactly. It's like, hey, these are our journeys and our stories. You should absolutely do your research, like you said, for your city, for your, you know, municipality, for your state, because it is unfortunately going to vary. And I think just reminding people that the gray area exists. And even if there is a law that's explicit, like, like hemp is federally legal yet. We still have so many challenges at these different state and city levels that just because something is legal doesn't mean that it doesn't come without, you know, misconstrued thoughts about it. And so it's just something to be very delicate about, but I'm genuinely excited. And so I'm curious, you know, just from your, your background history, like what are some of those experiences that you've been able to be a part of that you think are really kind of driving the industry forward? Um, so I think honestly for, for me and, and what I strive to accomplish for, for the brands that I work with, um, I really feel like the, and I'm, I feel, I don't want to get in trouble for saying this. <laughs> um, I feel like the, the trade show setup is so overplayed. And so, you know, how can you create an experience within somebody else's experience or before surrounding that, that experience? I think that there are better ways to talk about your brand and not to say that those ways aren't important, but that shouldn't be the only type of way that, um, you know, B2B networks are created. And I feel like, um, you know, when you look at, because, um, you know, the rest of the world is, is still trying to wrap their head around cannabis, those that aren't directly involved because of that, you know, we're not really provided as an industry, as many opportunities to sponsor certain events 
so then we just started like, okay, well, let's just throw another trade show, have some experts talk because people are so thirsty for knowledge in the industry and then throw a few parties around that. And I think that there, that's necessary. I think that there's a place for that. Um, I would love to see how that evolves um, once it is safe again to do so. Yeah. I think you bring up a really interesting point though, that like, this is where my brain goes. Okay. So I'm a direct to consumer brand. So I am not sold in other people's dispensaries. I am a CBD brand, so I can ship across state lines, but I, I've done the trade shows. I've done the, you know, health and wellness events. And I think within the industry, those are not the most fruitful for me as experiential pop-ups because I ultimately, I want to be direct to my consumer and I have a brick and mortar store and I would rather control that conversation through other means than be saturated in a like, like I'm sure you've heard of South by Southwest. It's a massive, you know, music film interactive festival here in Austin, RIP. We, you know, it was COVID. We had to cancel this last year. It was crazy. That was like the beginning of the end of the world for everybody here. But South by had a huge, like a cannabis influence and it was increasingly so. And so I remember when we first launched our brand, we did the health and wellness pop-up and we were one of, you know, a handful of other CBD brands. Now I observed at the time my retail presence wasn't as big. And so it was easier for me to justify going into a setting like that because I didn't have a store experience that I was competing against. Now my store experience is much more profitable for me and engaging for me because it's my environment that I I don't want to go to those events. What is more appealing to me as a brand and I love your thoughts kind of on this, this like rabbit trail. We like last year decided to partner with this event company. They did a bunch of different types of events. It was kind of for singles slash, you know, up and coming, you know, millennials in Austin area who were just looking to get connected and network with people IRL. And so they would do events that were, you know, around spa and wellness, or they would do events around game night and just incorporate different aspects. And so we happened to collaborate with them and do a CBD dinner. We had curated it. We worked with like a local chef who just like does amazing work. She incorporated our CBD into every different um, menu item. And my sister and I, who is my co-founder, we were able to be a part of the dinner and educate people through every course. We, you know, had bottles on the table that people could administer themselves for extra dosing. But that was kind of, if I'm being honest, at a time where I was looking around at my peers who were, some were doing these events and it was like, well, how much CBD am I supposed to give somebody? How much CBD is too much? What are people going to think about this? You know, how are they going to actually feel? And, and for us, the end result was actually very positive. We ended up doing, you know, three other dinners with this group because it was just so successful for us as a brand. And those were, again, those experiential events that I could control. And I wasn't in competition necessarily with somebody else. And it was this curated, high quality, fun dinner, you know, conversation type of experience. But I think from my knowledge, of course, with, with cannabis at large, but specifically CBD, understanding the dosing of that and just going off of what you said, you know, you can do it if it's a private event, if it's, you know, in a rec state, you can uh, do it if you're gifting, but how do you kind of approach the dosing side of things for those consumers Are, are the consumers always, you know, cannabis consumers? Is it sometimes, you know? people who are curious about it. I mean, I just think that today's cannabis consumer is so broad. So when you're trying to create an experience for them to obviously enjoy, there's the yous and me's of the world who could easily take a couple hits and eat an edible or two and probably just coast through the night. And then there's my sister who 
oof, if she doesn't know how many milligrams she's getting of CBD or THC, she just, she feels paranoid and she doesn't, she then doesn't have a good experience. So I think when, when experience is at the center point of it and dosing, it's just, it's a hard one. I think, you know, you've kind of like within like this, what you just said, I've kind of hinted around, but I think the answer is, and that is giving the consumer more control, mm-hmm. providing a, a, a dinner but then giving them the opportunity, providing them with the education um, of what a suggested dose is for a, the average consumer or, you know, doing that kind of due diligence and research and, and working with, um, you know, culinary experts that have done the same. Because, you know, there are so many like scientists and like uh, nutrition experts that understand like how we metabolize like cannabis. And that just goes way. That's totally like, I'm like, all right, I'm subcontracting you. I'm subcontracting you and your LLC. And also like taking some of that pressure. Cause that's the other thing is, you know, it definitely took to really, truly cultivate, um, a layered experience like a CBD dinner like that. You know, you definitely don't want to be the one man show partnering with an agency or with, experts and, and having them have a, a, a list of resources that they have worked with because they've been doing several events. I mean, I have certainly had some horror stories with caterers, with all sorts. <laughs> I, I can only imagine, you know, like there have totally been, um, in the last two years. And then, you know, I've, I've been working on experiences, for a decade now. And I can honestly say there have been a lot, a lot of, oh shit moments. (laughs) So I think also making sure that you surround yourself with people that have the same expectations of themselves too, um, as, as you have of yourself, but then also giving the consumer the most, the most control, giving them an opportunity to say like, all right, they've provided me the education. They've provided me the expertise. And now I can take this you know, little bottle and, and apply, you know, however much of a dosage I feel comfortable with, um, based on what I want my experience within this experience to be. Yeah. I think that's really, it is, is making the consumer ultimately comfortable. And so creating the environment for them to be curious, to feel confident, to, I always like to highlight, especially, and I know that you kind of know this about me and I'm sure the listeners know this, but like, I like being in social media. I like creating content. I love helping influence others. I don't like wearing, you know, the capital I influencer hat, but I do believe, you know, we're, (laughs) you know, those people, I love that. you know, those people who are like, I'm an influencer. I'm, I'm an influencer, but I'm not one of those people. I always like to clarify. I'm really just a girl who puts her pants on like everybody else. Like, but, but with that said, it's empowering to remind the consumer, like, you know, you're actually the influencer. And if I can give you the best experience, whether that's at an event, that's at my store, that's you interacting with my product or packaging, like that is to me as a marketer experiential. And it's, it's like wrapping that up. It's um, something that I used to think about a lot was, you know, the different touch points. It's okay. Well, when someone goes to our website, what do they feel when someone talks to one of our, you know, customer service representatives, how are they taking care of when someone meets us at an event? What is that experience like? And like that all wrapped up into how this brand, you know, presented or presents itself. And so I think sometimes brands think, oh, well, if I just do this thing over here 
and I neglect all these other areas. It's like, well, Hey, if you just dropped all this money to go to a trade show, but like your website's shit, what's all that traffic that you're creating that awareness driving towards. And so I just, I think experiences like, yes, the physical experience of events, which again, I'm very passionate about, but to me, it's really like the total experience of like all those different touch points that consumers would have with your brand. Listen, I'm so, so like, could not be a more perfect segue because I was just getting ready to bring up, um, I'm actually also working with my current client. I'm the marketing director for Noble Nectar Extracts, um, which is an extracts processing company here in uh, Oklahoma. And one of the things that I created and, and we're currently uh, in our inaugural uh, semester of is uh, the Nectar Collective, which is a beta testing program um, that we created for 10 individuals from all different walks of life in Oklahoma, male and female, all different ages, uh, backgrounds. Um, some of them are content creators. Some of them are bud tenders, GMs, dispensaries. Um, some of them are mothers. Some of them are, you know, uh, box, there's a boxer on this one, a photographer. Um, so we tried to, you know, kind of diversify as much as we possibly could, um, cause we really wanted to get a well-rounded, rounded, uh, feedback. So we provided them um, with customized Noble Nectar rigs, like really nice, like $500 plus rigs and a full orientation kit, which uh, gave them like a banger, a rig, a pack of Q-tips to clean their rig, like all the essentials that they would need to take a proper dab of our product. quick break to say thank you to Restart CBD for sponsoring this podcast. Restart CBD is a brand my sisters and I founded in our hometown in Austin, Texas. We operate a retail location as well as an e-commerce store, and you can browse our wide range of CBD products at restartcbd.com. Again, thank you to Restart for allowing me the time and resources to put on To Be Blunt. I hope you'll check them out for your CBD needs. Let's go back to the episode. So it was like, okay, we set you up with our product and we set you up with all of the resources that you need to consume our product properly. And not only properly, but like, you know, some of these items were, um, you know, some of the best in the biz of, of how to consume dabs at that point in time. So uh, then we had them uh, fill out what I call the dank diaries. And we asked them like certain uh, questions before they uh, consume uh, the product and then right after. Um, and then, uh, they provide us their, their feedback, uh, two times a month for the last six months. Um, so, and then we also ask them if they can, you know, just share some of their feedback on their, uh, social media outlets as well. So, um, you know, without calling it an influencer program, I really like calling it a beta testing program because we have been able to provide them with the strains that, you know, we are dropping like from our new single source line, um, our new diamonds and plasma single source line, flawless line, uh, new packaging, uh, new uh, cartridges, you know, like right before we, we uh, dropped those new products as like our first year as a company um, in Oklahoma, we were able to kind of get their feedback on it. And, um, you know, and even after the fact, we were able to, to make certain edits or, um, you know, uh, just kind of take all that uh, analytical data into consideration when moving forward. So if somebody was like, yo, this uh, was super gassy, it smelled like very funky, and I loved it. And a lot more people said that, then 
you know, maybe the next time around we stick to the super gassy and funky, uh, strains and blends. Um, so I think it like started out as something like, all right, we just want to like consistently have people properly consuming our product and showcasing that. And then it evolved into, all right, well now we have, you know, what's 20 times six, 120. (laughs) I literally count with my fingers. I'm so embarrassed. (laughs) I just said the same thing. Um, but, but that was, um, 120 feedback reports, uh, field reports, if you will, of, of what people truly thought of our product in a, in a comprehensive manner. I guess my point is, is that the experience goes so much further than just, uh, the physical events. I believe in really, truly helping uh, brands to spend more time focusing on how their consumer is is interacting with their products. And it sounds like you do a really good job. Oh my gosh. Thank you. I mean, literally everything you're saying, it's so, um, it's so amazing. And it's also at the same time, like, I'm going to say it, it's not super radical, right? Like, I don't think these ideas right. are very like, whoa, like so foreign. But I think this industry just doesn't know maybe because they're concerned, they're scared, they don't know how to approach it. And I think that's where people like you coming from like an agency perspective can help brands unlike myself, who just, I take it on all myself when I do it all, it's fine. But like, would love to partner with people like you, you know, it's just like looking at again, like your skill set. you meaning the listener, what are you trying to do with your brand? How are you trying to get your brand out there? And what are those avenues that you can do so? And so I love that idea. I mean, obviously, yeah, influencer with a capital I or a lowercase I, or even like these beta programs is not something new, but the application of it, I think in this industry is so. Yeah. The Dank Diaries is a Google form. It is literally a Google form. <laughs> You're like somebody else made it and we just absorbed it, which is, is all you have to do sometimes. I think you were kind of joking about that, you know, just like, what are you Googling? And it's, it's again, nothing that I think that we say is so, you know, pie in the sky transcendent. Reinventing the wheel. Exactly. No. no, but that's what I love about marketing. It's like this, you know, ingenuity of, Hey, here's like 10 really great ideas that these brands have done. Now, how do I go learn from it, adapt it and apply it to my business? In fact, make it my own. Exactly. Make it my own. I'm just like so obsessed with different brands. That was really the antithesis of me launching this podcast was just, you know, how does a brand like Wana become Wana? What are those different functions that they do? How do they extend themselves in the community? What are their challenges that they've gone through as they've navigated this industry over the years? Now, Wana, starts in, you know, Colorado and is they're expanded all across the United States. And I heard they're going into Canada yes, and Oregon. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy. And obviously there's a lot of money that goes into it. And so I can, you know, humbly say from my perspective, I think I'm doing the most with what I have. Obviously certain resources can propel certain brands forward faster. So I think that's the grain of salt that listeners should take to heart is, are you a local brand? Are you a national brand? Are you CBD? Are you THC? I mean, you just highlighted, you know, obviously. And being... what do you want your brand to look like in 10 years? Absolutely. Where are you Start going? there and then work your way backwards. Like, all right, like this cool idea is cool now, but what does it look like in 10 years? What if it blows up? Then what? Like, or shoot about, the like, shot. Do you want it to be an international brand? Like, <laughs> what happens when um, weed is federally legal? Like. You know, so, but I think brands are being disruptive now that are taking that risk now as gray area as it is like, 
I think when we were approaching our dinners to use that as an example, or actually I have another example I'll share. We did a pinted ice cream with a local ice cream shop here in Austin. They approached us, they're friends of ours. It was never something that I was like pushy, like, Hey, you got to do pinted CBD ice cream. It was just a very organic, like, Hey, this thing came up. They wanted to collab with us. It was actually for national CBD day two years ago, but there was so like, you know, well, how much do we put in the ice cream? What's the right dose? Again, I'm kind of talking to you before we started recording. I'm looking around, you know, what are my peers doing? What are, what are people putting doses in, you know, CBD sparkling waters? What is the consumption suggestion? And you kind of get to the point where there's not really a clear answer. And so you just have to move forward, hoping that you've done enough work and you've done enough education and you've crossed your T's and dotted your I's enough, yeah. just enough to move and that you've shown that this collaboration is uh intentional and authentic and well researched so that it doesn't look like you just uh did the, the cbd pixie dust well which is why they wanted to work with us because we've built that which is relationship great. up it. as a brand in central texas that is you know foundate foundationally built on education and so there was that trust it's not like oh i'm just gonna go work with cbd brand you know x y and z because they say that they need to work with us it's no i want to work with restart cbd because those women know what they're doing i trust them they'd be a good partner and so i think that's something that brands need to be conscious of too it's like you want to do these experiential events but you need to also be a partner and how do they know that how do they know that about restart you know, like, how do they know that you, like that you had to sh- show them through your storytelling, you had to show them through your education, your content creation, like exactly. You had to place yourself as the educator. You had to place yourself as the, um, authentic individual business owner, the authentic entrepreneur. And you had to show yourself as somebody that, um, is, is knowledgeable and a consumer yourself of, of the plant. I think that that also is, is something tricky with CBD. Like just listening to a conversation on clubhouse, love clubhouse, Hello. which Miranda and I are both <laughs> on clubhouse. You should find us. Cause we're going to start having conversations there. Yeah. So many conversations. If you like cannabis or just people that are cool, follow us on clubhouse. <laughs> It's the new cannabis networking hub. Okay. So I was listening to a conversation on Clubhouse about uh, beauty brands uh, that have hemp seed oil in their product, um, but but not, uh, you know, CBD or THC, hemp seed oil, um, but still put cannabis leaves in the brand design, the packaging design, and um, kind of slap some green shit all over it and make it look like it is um, just to ride the CBD train. So then it's like, Oh gosh, now I have all of these people that are actually like not doing what they're supposed to be doing. So, so now not only do I have to show that I'm just authentic as a brand on my own, but I also have to show that I'm not like one of these crazy pants brands that have no business being in this space. Yeah, it's really funny. I had a girlfriend. She sent me a picture of uh, some brand that has just everything you just described. There's no active milligrams. They're being sold at Target. It is very much made with hemp seed oil, which is definitely not active cannabis. And she sent it to me and she's like, look, CBD's in Target. And I was like, no, girl. No, girl. That's not actually. And Sprouts and Kroger (laughs) and Trader Joe's. And yeah, the consumers just, uh, I think the consumers are in a tough spot, which is where I think brands that can address that experience of those different touch points can find success 
because I think consumers are looking for obviously products that are effective. They want products that work. They don't want to buy snake oil. I don't think anybody like wakes up in the morning and is like, I'd like to spend money on something that doesn't work or doesn't do the job that it says it's going to do. Like we all want things that are going to work, but you really are fighting against their attention spans and marketing. And so I think that's where marketing for me is so um, exciting, but also severely just like taken advantage of because there aren't really certain, you know, rules in place to mitigate against that. Well, and also since, you know, the, the, the big boom of the gold rush, that is the cannabis industry. I think that, you know, there's people that really truly care about the plant and growing the plant and nurturing the plant and harvesting the plant and, um, turning that plant into a consumable product or good. Uh, but maybe don't have that, that, um, business sense because they spent all of their time in the garden perfecting this process. <laughs> and then you have all these people that, um, know everything there is to know about business are so excited. They haven't seen an industrialization boom since the tech industry, you know, like, so they're wanting to jump on it from a business perspective, but they don't really know much about the production, the cultivation of cannabis. And so, I, I would truly like to, to find that kind of, uh, middle ground of, you know, assisting the people that are actually doing good, that are actually providing authentic quality materials and helping them to launch themselves to be in the same room as the people, because you can tell, <laughs> you can tell, you, you can tell who's, who's doing it to, to truly be able to, um, to provide more access to to something that really is good for your body, no matter how, no matter how you intake it. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think it's just, um, it's like, we, we really fucking can't tell. Like when a brand shows up and they're like, CBD this, I'm like, "Mm, no dice. Where are you sourcing from? What does your marketing say? Oh, you don't have a true contact form. I love when I see like generic about me pages of these brands that pop up. I don't know. We're like, we love cannabis. I'm like, who's we? Where are you? Do you have photos? Are you a real person? Like who's actually behind this brand? And um, not to dog on, you know, all the different types of businesses that exist in this space. But I do think the, the, the businesses and the brands that are going to succeed are the ones that are really creating that connection to the consumer, providing value to them and ultimately delivering on the experience of whether that's shopping with them or how that experience is taken into their home and their personal life. It's, yeah, you want to be conscious and considerate of that end consumer. And you want to make sure that it's authentic and it's educational. Yes. You know, like it's, it's our, for me personally, I have taken it on as like my role to, to help people feel like their, their experience with cannabis in general was more positive than it was before, whether that was because they learned something new about it or because they got to experience in a different way. Like that's really like what the main goal is. Um, when I think about putting on a consumption friendly event, I think, uh, something that I want to kind of touch on too, to wrap up that I'm really curious about before we close the interview out, but experiential marketing is obviously like my sweet spot. I love that it's your sweet spot. I think that (laughs) there's just, there's so much to come with it, but obviously it does kind of derive back to where you reside and what market you're currently existing in. And, and I would be remiss not to pick your brain about sweet, sweet, my neighbor to the North. Oklahoma. I just recorded the intro to this episode and I kind of, you know, I, I, 
I start the episode with kind of saying, obviously there's a rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma. It's just like, it's <laughs> built in. I don't even like sports. It just is part of it. There really is though. There's like such a rivalry. And then I think when cannabis started rolling out in Oklahoma, you had a lot of Texans who were like, what the fuck? Like what's going yeah. on over there? Oh my gosh. All of the memes <sighs> of like Texas looking up at Oklahoma, like the kid that's stuck at home and the other kids are like playing outside and the kids like in the window, like, I want to go play with me too. all the weed that you can imagine. <laughs> it's really quite shocking how advanced Oklahoma's market is for how quickly it spun up. I know very little to nothing other than allegedly there's a dispensary on every corner. The state is not shy about it and it is medicinal only at this time. So kind of with that tee up, what's going on in Oklahoma, Miranda? <laughs> All right. So there is a lot. There's a lot going on in Oklahoma, but um, I'll start with the fact that uh, almost 10% of Oklahoma's state population currently has their med cards. Um, so that's the entire state population of Oklahoma, t- almost 10%. Um, in comparison, Colorado is like 3%. <laughs> uh, I heard California's like consumption without even medical, like they're just like rec market is 20%. And sure, like that's, you know, some might say that's comparing apples to oranges because Colorado is rec and Oklahoma isn't. Um, I honestly feel like Oklahoma is a medical market acting like a recreational market just because all the way around, uh, whether you're a patient or you're a license holder, um, the, the barriers to entry, um, there aren't that many. Oklahoma is a really exciting market. Um, when I started working with Noble Nectar Extracts, you know, the founder, Preston, um, who's awesome, uh, he was like, yeah, there's, you know, a lot of opportunity out here. And I would come in out, out here and visit, uh, and work on, you know, building his brand with him starting last January. Um, and every time I came out here, I would kind of learn a little bit more. Uh, I'd see these, you know, dispensaries on every corner, like you mentioned. Just to kind of give you some perspective, there are 2,057 dispensaries licenses in the state of Oklahoma. (laughs) There are 6,564 grower licenses and 1,262 processor licenses. So um, we're talking like... Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And that's all marijuana, right? That's not including the hemp industry? marijuana. Damn, Oklahoma. Yeah. So basically, Oklahoma said, you know, because if you if you look at what's going on in Florida right now, when you look at what's going on in Chicago, when you look at what's going on in some of these uh, newer markets, um, they they didn't do it right. <laughs> uh, they didn't really learn the lessons that um, were were learned uh, the hard way in these markets that opened up, you know, now five to seven years ago. Or maybe they did learn the lessons that they wanted to, but either way, they're making it, you know, extremely, extremely difficult for people that don't have millions and millions of dollars to just even have a fighting chance in producing their own medicine and the medicine for their communities. And I truly feel like Oklahoma was like, well, fuck that. (laughs) Uh, We want money. First of all, as a state, we want money. And they did. They brought in quite a bit of money. And then uh, we also want as many people as they want to have a license. I mean, there's so many people with land in Oklahoma that land has been in their their families for generations. And so, so the the other thing that that Oklahoma did that was really smart is that they um, 
made it. And I don't think that they did this in the beginning, um, but pretty quickly after they made it a requirement um, for anybody that is a license holder, um, you know, 75% of the ownership is a two-year resident. So then what that did is that kind of made all these like big time California brands that were coming out to to Oklahoma um, get put in a position where they needed to partner up with somebody local, um, somebody that has lived there for at least two years. So I guess, you know, for me, I watched this industry, you know, I remember going to California when I was in college and seeing the easy up tents on Venice Beach that were like your medical doctor. And, uh, you know, I helped my friend move out there in college. My college roommate moved out there and she went and got her med card. And I, you know, sat right outside the dispensary, like waiting for her to come out as like this, you know, 20 year old, like, oh my God this is so cool. And she came out with these like bright blue suckers that, you know, were like 25 milligrams THC. And like, I watched that and, and wanted, and I wanted to be a part of that. And then I saw Denver and I got to literally be a part of that as, as close to the front lines as I could be. And then I felt like, you know, I love helping other brands like you. I'm very interested in what other brands are doing and, and the other products that exist and, you know, just the versatility of the plants and, and, and how many different ways you can utilize it, I think is so special and so sacred and so cool that it is, has provided such, such a wide open, um, you know, industry as far as, as different, different products and, and consumables are, are considered. And I think for me, I, I finally got to this point um, and built, you know, the network and community around myself where um, we want to take a shot at more of the, the cultivation side of it. And Oklahoma Marketplace really, really made us feel like it was the, the first market where we were like, holy shit, like, yeah, this is going to take some investment. This is going to take some money. Like we've been building out this business plan, you know, since last March, like every Tuesday and Thursday night, cause we all still have other things that we're working on. We have been building this and just to put that much passion into it and to really like have a more hands-on experience with, with what ends up being a consumable good, which what ends up being a brand that has a story to tell. Um, I think it was just finally time for me to, uh, to kind of try my hand at that part of it too. No, I really appreciate that. And I think your journey is just so remarkable because it's uniquely yours. And obviously there's a lot of similarities for myself of kind of what you're going through and your different experiences, but just really very clear that you have a passion and a purpose for this plant. And it's really cool to hear what you're up to and what's specifically going on in Oklahoma, because I do think there's a lot that we can learn from these different states. I mean, you touched on Florida compared to Oklahoma, you know, they're totally vertically integrated. That's that's what their government has required of them to do to roll out medical marijuana. And as a result, you have a lot of, and there's only like 22 licenses, right? Like there's only like, yeah, there's only so many licenses. You have to be vertically integrated. It's very expensive. It's just very unachievable to get involved. And so where I sit in Texas, I'm like, Texas, please. Don't fuck this up. Exactly. Don't fuck it up. Like, don't fuck it up. Be cool. Be cool, y'all. <laughs> you have one chance, man. You have one chance to not fuck this up. 
<laughs> just we're about to start our, our legislative uh, cycle kicks off here. I think in a couple days, by the time this airs, it'll have already started. And we've got a couple different, you know, marijuana bills. And you know, I saw that people are asking me, you know, what do you think is going to happen? What's going to do this? And I'm like, look, Texas has to have a proper medical program first. And so I'm hopeful that the medical program will continue to get evolved, but I don't see Texas in this next two-year cycle doing what Oklahoma or even what Florida has done, unfortunately. And so we're in a, in a little bit of a different position, but it is something to be hopeful and excited to look towards and just observe, yeah, like what's going on in Oklahoma and how how we can you know learn from it, but potentially be involved. I think there is a lot of excitement for you know, cause I do, I talk to people on both sides, hemp brands and marijuana brands. And obviously if you're a marijuana brand, it does take money to go bring your brand from one state to the next state. But if you're a hemp brand, you can cross state lines. And so, you know, how do you start if, as, as a brand? I'm saying this maybe for myself too. How do you start to work in all these other different markets, get yourself exposed so that you can start, you know, not even start, continue to build on that brand equity and awareness. But um, yeah, it's all just one day at a time. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm so thankful to have had the opportunity to connect with you. Shout out to Whitney's sunny days for connecting us Um, near and dear girl to my heart and also just an all around badass in this space. Um, But I'm really happy to connect with you because I really do think that it's important um, to kind of create this like sister state connection, um, especially with neighboring states. As uh, more and more states um, start to go through legalization, um, uh, because because I think that as long as we like you know stay educated, stay knowledgeable, stay stay ready, uh, we could be able to kind of like sway how this does go down. Um, I think that there's a lot of of people that have been working on um, the the legalization of cannabis movement for a very very long time that did not think that it would um, ever get this far, and so. Um, I think that that uh, it's our responsibility um, to as just as much as we seek the pleasures um, to also do what we can to to continue to bridge the gap between different legalized states, states that are trying to become legalized, different brands that are actually good, authentic brands. Um, You know, I think uh, there's strength in numbers, especially in the cannabis community. So I guess that it will. (laughs) you said it so well I think that's that's it it's just kind of looking around you and realizing there's so much opportunity and so much excitement and really being a little bullish in how you approach things and and you know you said it earlier so I'll repeat it asking for forgiveness not permission and and I love to see the female power and energy that is you know coming from this industry and so being able to just rally around other strong women who have voices and and care about how this gets, you know, rolled out, whether it's from an education perspective, but obviously, especially through that experience, because as we've stated in this episode, and as we both know, the consumer is king, cash is king or queen, I should say, it's all queen, right? Yeah. So how do you start to face for yourself as a brand, as a business, as a businesswoman who's just trying to help destigmatize this plant that obviously gives us both so much pleasure and help. I mean, we really both say that it helps yeah. us medicinally too. So it's, um, it's just. And normalize the, the places in which we choose to do that. 
Amen the number of places in which we choose to do that. <laughs> I just, I sincerely look forward to the day where we can, instead of having happy hour and splitting a pitcher of margaritas, they bring out, you know, a cute little ashtray, rolling tray, some papers, and we get to just go to town, rolling ourselves some joints and having well, a girl's night. Start of that, this, this, the start of that is uh, CBD dinners. So let's just do more of those. How about that? <laughs> okay. We will be talking offline about doing definitely more of those, but thank you so much for being on the show, Miranda. I can't wait for other people thank to you. just connect with you and see all the great work that you're doing through your agency and what's going on through your clients, especially in Oklahoma. And we'll have to do a check-in with you in a couple of months and see what else Oklahoma's up to. So keep us posted. Yay. Yeah. Miranda Macy on Instagram, Miranda Cummings on clubhouse. Um, I am so thankful to have uh, had this opportunity. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. I think I do really well when I record these uh, post-interview wrap-ups kind of immediately. So I literally just got done interviewing Miranda. So y'all just listen to the episode. I'm wrapping it up kind of in real time. I just... I'm so grateful and thankful to be able to be connected to all these badass women and especially people who just like are really passionate and have this history with the plant. I think it's so cool to hear from Miranda and her background of, you know, kind of watching Colorado go legal and now being a part of what Oklahoma is up to. I think if you get any takeaway from these episodes, it's that you should get out of your own bubble, get out, go talk to people, make relationships, make friends, follow these people on social media, start conversations. And kind of the other side of that is if you're a brand who's looking to, you know, create more of an experience for your consumers, I think that you really should look at what your goal is. What's the end goal for your brand? Where do you see yourself, you know, in one to three to five years? And I think that that should give you a good, a good starting space for you to think of how you can bring your brand into different experiences. And, and like we touched on in the episode, it's events, but it's also, you know, what it's like when someone interacts with your product for the first time? What is that feeling? If they, if they, you know, hear you on a podcast or they meet one of your team members, you know, what are those experiences that are associated to your brand? So again, love this topic, could probably talk about experiential brand marketing for hours, but I'm going to close out and just say thank you again for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, I hope you will share it with one friend. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Thanks for tuning in. This is To Be Blunt. I'm Shada Trabi and we are done. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit theshadatarabi.com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at theshadatarabi.com.